Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood, and you're tuned to Furniture Today's On the Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. Before we turn to Bill and his guests, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Furniture Today team and remind you that when there's something exciting to announce, you'll read about it first in Furniture Today. And now, here's Bill McLaughlin and On the Record. Welcome to On the Record. I'm Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. I have two special guests this week, Powell Slaughter and Tom Russell from our own staff. They have been incredibly active on the phone the last couple of weeks, talking to people across the industry. Um, gentlemen, welcome. I want to talk first a little bit about the bounce back story that we're doing uh, that uh, is coming up in Monday's issue around the same time this podcast has come up, uh, because we're looking at what companies are, do- are doing to bounce back, to try to come back and, and deal with some of the issues. Um, Tom, why don't we start with you? What are you finding out there in the marketplace in terms of people's strategy for bouncing back? Well, I think uh, I think it gets back, Bill. I think it's thank you for having us. Um, I think it gets back to uh, products and uh, for trying to fight while they're focused on inline goods. They want to make sure they have a full slate of of new products. Some of which we saw at the mini market in June, and people are kind of continuing to roll out. Talk a little bit about um, as we get closer to the. Um, the fall market cycle. But that said, um, they continue to remain uh, focused on their digital strategy as well, um, basically promoting um, their their line, their, their available products, new products, social media, different channels in that realm, and um, also video showroom tours. This seems to be kind of like the new norm uh, in terms of selling products. Interesting. Pal, what what are you finding on the upholstery side? Well, um, on a couple of fronts, Bill, the um, one, importers, two, domestic. Um, The folks I've been talking with are being very, very aggressive, um, especially considering we don't really know how all this is going to play out with the coronavirus. Um, we had a huge demand. Um, people were playing catch-up, getting backlogs, and um, current, the current supply flowing. Um, and a couple of people found, once we found themselves where they thought they might be over-inventoried um, in March, ended up in pretty good shape. And what we're seeing now is some very, very heavy ordering um, of, for um, among importers, goods far out as they're telling their major retailers, if you want stuff December, you better start lining it up now because that's what they're doing. They're investing in warehousing. They just want to, even if this, they say, well, this might be um, pent-up demand releasing, but we're going to be ready for whatever happens. And they don't want to get caught in that um, situation where viewers can't get good. Domestic guys I've been talking with, um, they're doing any reordering parts for inventory um, kits, they are they are lining up um, supply for production through the end of the year, and um, 
you know, some of those guys are still playing catch up. But even as they're doing that, they're they're, I guess, investing in the fourth quarter already. That's interesting. Just just so uh, folks in our listening audience understand, we are each in our respective uh, hidden bat caves, working from home. Still, we are uh, we are socially distancing pretty much all across the state at the moment. So um, while we're on a conference call, I'd, I'd like to try to get us to just be able to have a free-flowing, relaxed conversation. But I hope our listeners will understand that if we talk over each other a couple of times, please bear with us. Um, technology is what it is, and we're going to try to work through that. Um, you raised an, an interesting point, and I think you both talked about that. I mean, retail seems to be absolutely flying. I mean, I guess if you could figure out a way to drive consumers to buy more, it's lock them in their house for a month. I mean, it, it just seems to be, uh, you know, I'm being a little facetious there, and I don't want to make light of the virus, but it certainly seems that consumers' extended time in their homes has made them really eager to fix them up. Uh, and with not being able to spend money on so many other things, with sporting events closed down and travel decreased and cruises and movie theaters and a lot of these other kinds of things, it seems like enormous amounts of interest and enormous amounts of dollars are being uh, focused on on the home. Are, are you hearing in, in terms of the people that you're talking to? Um, I mean, we know we back in Memorial Day, it was a, just an, a phenomenal time for retailers. Fourth of July, um, most retailers had a good, a good run at it. Um, what are you guys both hearing in terms of the reports from retail about how business is going? Well, we hear, I hear it's very strong and um, challenges kind of keeping up keeping up with that that fan bill your point about consumers um kind of being uh stay at home staying at home working from home um focusing on their home it's almost like become a, a cliche among people in the industry that people are just looking around at what they have and kind of wanting to replace things to update things so if this is not a golden opportunity for the furniture industry, it's sort of the silver lining, if you will. I, I don't know what would be. Because, um, and I think, I think the industry is indeed um, taking advantage of that. To Powell's point about basically uh, kind of bulking up on inventory, even parts uh, for domestic producers. It's just you want to be ready for the demand. and. Um, you know, I, I, I heard one resource said, you know, when, when, when the retail was closed, demand was non-existent. He was hoping that retailers would be just basically, you know, pleading, screaming at him product just to get stuff as soon as possible. And, yes, he got and his I wish. think that's kind of what's happening. Yep. One of the other things that, um, again, this addresses demand too, and that puts demand bill is that you know during the downtime for a lot of these companies the, there are several who have really spent a lot of time going over with a fine comb every step of their process um, whether that's an importer and um, you know, warehouse systems tying in ordering systems whether it's um, um, the flow of uh, parts inventory that supply going domestic they're um they're they several of the ones I talked to spent a lot of time while things were while things were shut down going over everything fine tooth comb. Can't really do that when 
think a lot of these guys are, you know, they, they set up systems, processes that are going to pay off, you know, not just now, but um, moving forward as the, as the economy, you know, let us hope turns to something approaching normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, and I, I like the, I, I think our readers will see with this bounce back, we've done a lot of talking about what happened. And this whole package is about what people are doing now, what what they're doing to move forward. So um, there's a lot of input here. Speaking of moving forward, this has been an incredibly disrupted market season. And we, we had several markets cancel early in the year. High Point got moved, then canceled. Tom, you referenced the, uh, the pop-up event that took place in June. Um, Las Vegas is, is certainly being forced to make some adjustments. We saw them come out with an announcement the other day that um, it will be a, a showroom-only event, and they're encouraging people to make appointments. Um, and then very quickly on the heels of that, you're going to have pre-market for October. It, it, I, my sense is that this may have an impact on the way retailers actually interact with their vendors and, and they work in terms of getting products, how they, you know, how they work through the, the product cadence in terms of introductions for manufacturers. That's absolutely correct, Bill. You know, pre-market has traditionally been kind of a, a been a taste good event, but, um, you know, an upholstery vendor would maybe open just to, you know, make sure they could see that, that period. Now, um, I think pre-market, a lot of people upholstery as well as case are looking at this as maybe this would be you know, their market. Um, I think the guys I've talked to, they feel like their customers still aren't real comfortable with the kind of wide open um, environment. And um, this mini market or pop-up market, as you call it, um, June was kind of a predecessor or a, kind of gave a preview of what that could look like moving forward. I think you're going to have a lot more um, companies that are going to be ready the full product lineup in the market, both you know, in upholstery as well as case. Um, whether it, they're going to have a lot of goods they don't feel like got a, got a shot in April. And they're also bringing out new goods for the fall. So um, they're, you know, this, this could, this, you know, pre-market is going to be more important than ever. Also, um, I feel like retail vendors are going to be utilizing their showrooms a lot more than they did in the past. We all, we're already talking to people who are seeing um, customers in their high, show, high point showrooms by appointment only. And you know, you always heard, heard this complaint: "Golly, we pay rent all year on these spaces. You know, we open them up for two months during um, October and April, and getting ready for that. They're going to be utilizing these um, throughout the year and um, in creating a safe environment for individual retailers to mm. shop." Are, are you seeing similar things on the case goods side, Tom? Yes, I, indeed, uh, we are. I was actually. Kind of a nice surprise how see as much upholstery participation. Um, you know, we saw it at the uh, mini market, and I think we'll see it kind of at pre market um, in September moving forward. But, but all this investment we've seen in High Point, um, 
I think has given a lot of independent showroom owners, not just them, but also their tenants. Uh, some of these buildings, I'm thinking of like the, uh, the Sunny Designs building at the corner of Market on Green um, and uh, Centuries building, 200 Steel. Given these exhibitors, tenants, some flexibility, I believe, to be able to be prepared in times like these. Um, we heard before the mini market, even people were telling me that on the case good side, that there weren't fast uh, major retailers coming into town. I mean, Love, one of the emerging retailers on the scene uh, out of out of VR van bankruptcy, um, was was here. I mean, they're and they're kind of just getting started. So. Um, and then there's been other big retailers that have come in for kind of appointments with a, with a limited number of um, uh, manufacturers and importers. Um, but it's going to change the dynamic. I think, Hal, you alluded to that. The dynamic is going to be allowing for more flexibility. It, it may make it a little more difficult or challenging for us to cover. Um, because, again, some of these are private showings. Or limited audience, whereas we're used to kind of covering for the whole industry a big market or free market event. So uh, that's something I think we'll discuss some more going forward. Again, I think you'll see maybe more product news coming out between markets, perhaps. I mean, I had a conversation with Alex Schubert, um about a month ago, um, and he was alluding to the fact, you know, this is going to change things. We're not just going to be introducing product and market. Product is going to come out at other times, too, as we've started to see. That's a really great point, Tom. Um, I, I, was, I was sitting here wondering about product development. Get right on that. Um, I, I, there are a couple of companies uh, you know, that sort of practice with product development, um, especially ones that have um, deal with some of the different channels like big box or pure play e-commerce and mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe instead of this you know wave of product every six months I guess every four months Las Vegas um, yeah that, that that's a great point it certainly does raise some interesting questions too from the retailer perspective and how they want to work uh, with their suppliers I, I I'm curious as you get some of these, you know, larger retailers, people, uh, you know, top 100s and um, big boxes and some of the other, you know, real majors, when they get into a situation where instead of having to come to market and see 50 or 100 showrooms and spend short periods of time trying to cover a lot of ground, if they can take their time, spend, you know, real serious amount of time getting in-depth, having in-depth discussions about their own specific program with individual manufacturers. Um, and, and again, I have no idea yet. I think it's too soon to tell, but I, I'm curious to keep an eye on that and see if that has an impact on the way retailers want to work with their suppliers. If they in fact find um, that having that kind of individualized attention and that, that kind of spread out schedule. Um, I'm also wondering from the standpoint of, as people look at um, you know their t and if I'm a retailer and I send 40, 40 people to one market, is that more efficient for me than sending one or two or three at a time throughout the year. I mean, it, there's a lot of implications here, a lot of things still to be determined. So it, it really, 
And then again, who knows? Maybe, you know, a year from now, everybody gets a vaccination. And a year from now, we're going, do you remember when we were talking about things changing? And here we are, back to four markets a year. So, um, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, what you're talking about there, Bill, there's a, another aspect of that. I think, uh, I think we're seeing a lot of these vendors um, looking to expand into other categories, um, you know, acquisitions. Know, but other categories, maybe other price points, and yeah, I, I'm wondering if there's going to be some a little bit of consolidation, you know, as far as especially among larger retailers, how many people they're actually dealing with on a really big on a large scale. You know, there are always kind of niches that they need to fill, but um, I think a number of vendors are trying to become more important for areas um, to their retail partners. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's always a trend. As you see, retailers get larger. One of the things, and I think this goes back to a point you made earlier about people looking to streamline and be more efficient in their systems. One of the ways that companies, as they get larger, try to be more efficient uh, is they try to be more efficient in their ordering, more efficient in their vendor base. Right. While you don't want to have too many eggs in one basket, you do want to make sure um, that you have efficiency and you're you're not filling out hundreds of invoices to hundreds of different different companies. So I, I think as we see, and, and we've already started to see, right, some people who are impacted by this, some people fall by the wayside on both the retail and the manufacturer side. We've seen a number of smaller retailers um, across the country, um, you know, kind of say that they can't go on in the current environment. They, you know, the, the shutdown just drained them of too much cash and um, they don't have the ability to go on. I think we're going to see the same thing. We've already seen a little bit of that on the manufacturing side. So as you, as you get to a situation where you have both larger retailers and those retailers looking to be serviced by larger vendors, uh, larger sources, it, it does have some interesting implications in terms of what um, you know people offer. And one of the things that we've talked about a lot coming out of you know the the virus situation here is that this has accelerated things that were already in progress, right? So we talked about e-commerce and how e-commerce was already growing at a, at a fairly rapid rate. However, this has accelerated that. And retailers who were, um, you know, felt like it was important now feel like it's vital and critical to have an e-commerce operation. And I think in the same way that we had been seeing some level of consolidation, and, you know, we've seen this in our own top 100. If you look for the last couple of years, the trend has been that the top 100 represents an increasing share. I believe this year's number was 80 or 81% of all furniture store sales. Um, as we've seen that consolidation, we've seen that consolidation in the last several years. I think what what's happening now is you're just seeing an acceleration of that, and so that again raises some interesting implications for, for that buyer retailer relationship. I've seen that point, Bill, is that it, you know, we visit a lot of retailer websites, and mm -hmm. even even in I guess what you call some smaller in every website I go to. Practice. The minute I get on there, up pops a chat. How can you help? Mm -hmm. um, now you, you would see that sometimes, especially with play guys and some of the larger companies, larger brick and mortars that had us commerce presence. But it's like everybody there, they want to grab every sale they can. Mm -hmm. I just hadn't noticed that extent until until this shutdown. Well, I, I 
well, it's an easy way to communicate with you. Yep. It is. And I think, again, that goes to one of those trends we've seen the last couple of years accelerating, which is the number of visits that consumers make to a store before purchase. Historically, it might have been six or seven visits. Now it's one or two. And one of the things that um, I've been hearing from speaking to retailers myself is that so many customers are coming in now knowing largely what they want. They've done their research online. They've already done their due diligence and they're not coming in and saying, um, I'm looking for a sectional. They're, looking, they're coming in and saying, I want this model sectional and this is the size. And they really have a, a fairly good idea. So I think retailers are trying to be much more proactive in terms of um, engaging with that consumer earlier in the process, right? We've, yes. We saw examples yes. of that. I think part of that. Go ahead, Tom, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think part of that, too, is due to the competition from e-commerce because they realize that um, particularly particularly as goods, um, and, and in the story that we've written about the longer lead times out of Asia, we're not presenting this like, oh, there's going to be a, a vacuum of product on the floor. There's still going to be product on the floor. But as one source uh, noted, you know, they're going to, consumer may not be able to get their first choice of product um, that they, they wanted, perhaps. It may not be in stock, or they're going to have to wait longer for to get back in stock. So the retailer, as opposed to having that consumer walk to uh, an e-commerce competitor, for example, they're going to have to kind of pre present a number two option or a number three option keep those consumers engaged so they're not losing sale. I think that's going to be really critical. And, and that's why uh, I think so many people, back to our earlier discussion, are making sure they've got as much inventory as they possibly can in this interim period. I think a lot of people feel that they'll be okay through the early fall, but it's getting to that last few months, couple of months, year that things may get a little bit dicey. You know, we were, talk we were talking earlier about the system process companies is, um, is going over and, um, you know, that in stock visibility um, clarity of what is there right now, um, that's been a big area of focus there. So, your point, Tom, if it's not available, what else there's something else. Yeah, that's a good point. If, if a consumer is on your website, I don't think there's anything more frustrating for them to go find something they like, look at it and see the words out of stock. And I think after a couple of times, if they see that word, yeah. they're probably going to bounce from your site. And I, I would suspect that it's not all that different if you're in a store, right? If you see something on the floor and somebody says, well, yeah, that's really nice. Um, we're not in stock on that, or we can't get that for you for six months. Um, you know, there's only so much patience that a consumer will have. So it, it certainly is an interesting time to cover the furniture business. It's certainly very dynamic. Yes. <laughs> We're having fun, but it's, it's okay. a lot of work. Watch out there, Tom. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to buy it. Yeah. Well, that was something, wasn't it? 
This is Trisha again for Klausner Home Furnishings. From my very first collection, I knew I'd come to the right place, that Klausner understood what I wanted to do with my furniture, how I wanted to share my recipe for comfortable living with the world. Now let's get back to Bill McLaughlin and see what he and his guests have to share with us. Well, let, let's talk about something a little bit lighter and, and more fun, and that is um, sure. style and trends. I mean, you've certainly gotten to talk to people a good bit about product. We did see some new product. We're, we're heading into the, um, the fall market season, so we are starting to see some things kind of trickle out. Let me ask you guys what you're seeing in terms of hot categories. And Tom, I want to start with you because we've talked a little bit, and I think you did a, a story on home office, for example. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about that and other hot categories that, that you're seeing right now. Well, I think home office built uh, still continues to be important. It's one of these things that's been a little bit under the radar, um, but now up, up until the pandemic, but with everybody working from home, um, doing more uh, from home, you know, studying from home, on, you know, at home learning. I mean, this all presents a huge opportunity, and we're going to see more companies um, get into this category. I've talked to a few resources. I don't want to. I want don't want to say that who they are yet, in case plans don't work out. But some of her expanding, looking to grow in this category. And I think another one on the wood side that um, is very important is going to be home entertainment. And we're going to have a report here in a few weeks, a um, couple of weeks uh, down the road about uh, home entertainment. And my conversation with people kind of starting out is we're, there's a demand for the consoles that can continue to hold the large screen TVs. So if you think about that, large screen, you know, it's like you've got your own sort of, you know, movie theater in your house so people really can't go to the movies like they used to um so no family movie night you know i was talking with lisa cody about that theme uh the other day from twin star and family movie night we're doing that in our in our household so that's a fun sort of trend you know for families to kind of get together and and have something they may not have done as much in the past. So there's, there's going to be some huge opportunity. And, and to be able to tie, especially the home entertainment in with the upholstery category is going to be, continue to be, it's not new, but it's going to continue to be an exciting trend to watch going forward. It's funny you say that. You're talking to somebody who just signed up for Disney Plus so they could watch Hamilton on a, on a movie night. So Yeah. I, I think anything that, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny thing back in the late eighties, for those of us who are old enough to remember, there was a term that faith popcorn came up with called cocooning. And it was, you know, consumers were kind of retreating to their homes, creating safe spaces, retreats from the outside world. And how interestingly here we are, you know, 30 years later coming full circle. And I mean, we're seeing this also in the outdoor category. I've done some work for our sister publication, casual living, and the outdoor business has just exploded um, because people are taking staycations. So instead of, you know, going on that, that trip that they might have, now they want to turn their backyard in, into an oasis. And that means, you know, it means nicer seating. It might mean game tables, fire pits, lighting features. Uh, I talked to one high-end designers who's doing, who, uh, 
who's putting in, you know, volleyball courts. Libby Langdon was talking about doing outdoor kitchens that have, uh, she's doing one that, that has a, a pizza oven because, you know, with people staying home, they're cooking more and that that's translating to every aspect of their life. And I t- think Tom, you talked about this a while ago, the dining room is also seeing a resurgence, right? With people cooking more at home, they're, Instead of eating on the run, heading out to the soccer game, there's no, you know, there's no little league baseball, there's no local soccer. None of those activities that take the family out of the house at supper time um, are really being done right now. So people are, I think, again, gathering around the family table, um, having board game nights. I, I, I have read that. Yeah. Um, board game sales are through the roof. Game sales are through the roof. Yeah. Or for websites. Yeah, all good points. Um, and 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 this that's why this is the golden age of opportunity, for, you know, silver lining as well for the furniture business to, uh, to really capitalize on all, all these uh, social trends. One of the things I'm going to be curious about as we do this, because we've talked the last couple of years about scale of furniture, right? We've talked about people living more in urban spaces, millennials tending to locate in urban and what they call ex-urban or inner ring suburbs. Um, And so there's been this move towards smaller scale furniture. And we've written about that several times over the last couple of years. Um, Two things about that I think would be interesting is as you look at increasing home office, how much does space play into that? How much does multifunctionality play into that? Are we going to see more home office um, that incorporates other features? Will we see, for example, if you're in an apartment, do you have um, you have to have a dining table that can also double as some kind of an office piece or something that, that serves multiple functions. Or conversely, um, we've been reading and looking at real estate trends recently, and there seems to be a, a concerted effort for people to get out of cities because the first wave of this virus really struck most virulently and most visibly in cities. And so now there seems to have been very quickly this move out to the suburbs. I'm, I'm wondering, does that continue? Or what impact does that have? Do we see people start to move into full-size houses? Um, I remember the term back in the 90s, right? McMansions. I don't know if we're going to see McMansions, but I think we might see a shift from apartment dwelling to home dwelling. And I wonder um, what implication that has. So there's, there's a lot of dynamism right now in the furniture industry, you know, not just from a supply side, from a retailing side, but from a product development side. And who can identify most quickly and respond most aggressively, most proactively to those emerging niches. Yeah, that's going to be key. Sure, sure I, I agree. Pal, I, I want to say something. Oh, no, I was just agreeing. <laughs> I do, yeah. Well, I, if I only we were doing this. No, go ahead, please. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say uh, areas of opportunity are. I think it's just, you know, how limited is your imagination? Um, and, and that's where I think folks, the, people in the industry, designers, product development folks, are going to kind of have fun with this um, going forward because they're going to kind of see areas of opportunity they may not have looked at before. Bill, to your point about the you know, dining table doubling as a desk, what type of function? Does that have what type of um, hidden features, uh, connectivity, things of that nature? Because there will be a need for that uh, kind of dual purpose type of piece in a smaller scale um, dwelling, uh, perhaps, 
um, and, and the same piece could, could work well in the larger. But Hooker Furniture, for example, and they've talked about this on the record in the home office before, you know, they're developing, I think, about at least a half a dozen or more, uh, you know, executive type of home office uh, type of full collection that, that they're planning for the fall. So it's going to be interesting to see what that footprint looks like. Because a lot of people have talked about smaller scale writing desks was doing the best in their, their lineup. But people may say, well, I, I want a larger desk than that. I want a statement. And, and that's where I think Hooker Furniture and others in that, that larger scale segment are going to find some kind of interesting opportunities too. Well, I, I don't think the market's going to be in any way monolithic, right? It's not going to be everybody's going to buy a small desk or everybody's going to buy a big desk. I think there's opportunities um, across a, a wide range of price points, across a wide range of styles, and across a wide range of feature sets. The other thing is, I would wonder from the upholstery side, um, you talk about movie nights. I don't, I don't know that that necessarily means people do home entertainment, right? They're not necessarily going to replace their sofa with movie seating, but it might mean those you know, we've seen a lot of direct-to-consumer players come out with these smaller, mid-century modern, smaller-scale pieces. If you have families what, uh, who are starting to come, go ahead, Powell, let me take it over. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're hitting on something. That I, um, um, something here. Um, for upholstery, all those things that you guys were talking about as far as you know, movie night, game night, gathering at home, upholstery sectional, that's the word these days. Um, People are actually coming out. It's, it's always been been around, but everybody I'm talking to, tailors, manufacturers, they can't sectional. They're flexible. So you can um, hear them to any size space. You get a whole family, single kind of gathering area. Um, if you're in an apartment, you can do one or two pieces. You've got a big family room. You can use six or seven. Um, and it, it kind of put, I did a report on this, and um, Carolyn Hipple at Norwalk said it plays into this lounging culture, what she called a lounging culture in America, which has only been accelerated by people staying at home. And um, it also plays well into e-commerce. Um, there, there's a lot of modularity. Instead of getting one huge piece, you're able to ship smaller pieces. It, it plays into motion. You can have stationary mixed with motion. It's ideal for putting in um, power consoles, um, pieces. Uh, but that's 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 the big thing in upholstery, right? Um, sectionals, um, and of course motion and how that plays. In. Um, also, the outdoor thing, Bill. Um, yeah, that is. That's a huge opportunity there. I can just tell you, you know, Tina and I, we live out in the country, and we've been spending our weekends at home, clearing property, um, clearing out woods, and creating outdoor spaces that we never had access. To. We're gonna we're, we're gonna have two or three places around our property where we're gonna set up lounging areas, fire pits, grills, you know, all those things that you mentioned there. Um, so I, I did want to did want to chime in on that outdoor aspect too. There you go. People also don't know this. There's a little personal detail. You also just had a really fascinating tree sculpture done in your. 
We sure did. <laughs> we, you know, we, 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 love, we love time outdoors, and we've never spent so much time outdoors before. We're going to keep on doing it. <laughs> there you go. If you want to see Powell's right. tree sculpture, email Powell Slaughter, yeah. pslaughter at furnituretoday.com. And uh, if you ask nicely, maybe he'll send you a picture of his amazing tree sculpture in his backyard. Just, just a little social media note there, a little something, a little personal detail that we just want to share with you here at well, thank you, Bill. Uh, We've really been enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we wrap up here, are there any other key trends that you think, you know, for folks who are listening here and want to get an insight, maybe they want to get a, a head start. And just between the three of us and the, and the person who's listening here, we won't. Shh, tell you. Um, are there any other things that, that uh, you think people should be really keeping an eye on? to give them a competitive advantage? Because there's no question, there's a lot of market share up for grabs. There's a real opportunity here for people. I think the business is going to be divided between the, you know, those who are proactive and take advantage and those, you know, who, who kind of get swept aside. So um, what would you guys say to? Yeah, for my guys, I think programs that allow a really strong presentation, interactive, more presentation in a um, controllable footprint really big that I think you're, I think we're going to see really good um, POP coming out um, better for interactive play um, or um, um, but you know upholstery is a big you, know, you have all sorts of options fabrics the legs you, know, you name it um, there are going to be some really fun ways that um, vendors are going to tailors helping them tell that story in a really quick way Tom? On the uh, on the wood side, I'd, I'd like to just add that um, um, casual, livable, continue to be really important style trends in the marketplace. And as, as people, you know, find themselves more at home or continue to spend a little more time at home, they, they want to be comfortable. And that, that's not to say that they can't have some really um, you know, upscale, traditional type of pieces in certain rooms. I think there's certain rooms that maybe command uh, more of that type of uh, formal look, perhaps, formal dining area, or, or an office, perhaps. want that stately executive desk. But the places where people live, you know, dining, uh, living room, I, I think it, it's got to be kind of casual, real livable feel because this is people's retreat this is where they want to be comfortable and um and enjoy their lives and and their their furniture can definitely help them do that and i think yeah i think to your point i I think performance fabric is something that i would keep an eye on i would expect that um you know if you're home more with the kids and the kids are home more and on the furniture um I think you're going to see performance pl- fabric play a much bigger role uh, in indoors as well as out in the next next year or so. So there's a, there's definitely some opportunity for companies here who are staying on top of the market, really analyzing what the consumer is doing, understanding how they can play a role. Um, and I think the supply chain, whoever can master the supply chain best, I think really positions themselves really effectively to capture share in the next six months to a year. And I think 
letting people know you have the goods, right? I, I cannot tell you how many times I, I have heard from people, you know, you guys know who's got inventory, who's got the goods. So if, if you got the goods, tell people, um, because there's an opportunity. There's a real hunger, a real thirst, two food metaphors there. Um, there's a real, a real thirst for product out there in the market, right? So, yeah. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time. Um, I'm going to head you, back to, uh, to yeah, my desk you. here. Absolutely. Uh, and to all of you, uh, I'm Bill McLaughlin with Furniture Today, Powell Slaughter and Tom Russell signing out. Thank you for joining us on the record. Till next week, have good business. <laughs>